How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I'm your host, Thomas Penland, joined once again by none other than Ben Gorwitz on today, Tuesday, August 10th, 2021. Ben, say what's up to the people. One of my favorite podcasts that I have ever done with you, the college football pregame podcast i'm, I'm so so excited for this oh yeah it's been a long time coming ben we've been waiting to do football for those of y'all who don't know college football is ben's favorite sport this is what he lives for i also am a college football fanatic i'm a little more of an nba guy but at the end of the day i mean who isn't excited for college football love the sport love watching everything about it but we're like i said earlier or on a couple podcasts ago we're going to break them up so on this podcast it will be just me and ben we're going to do for y'all the Pac-12, the Pac, the uh, Big Ten, and the Big Twelve, and then on our other podcast, we will have the ACC and the SEC, and we will have our season predictions. So, lots of good stuff for y'all on that. And then the first Saturday before college football getting kicked off, we will actually, I guess, week zero, we probably won't do a picks podcast because I mean, there's only like literally two games even worth watching. And I mean, I, I would hardly let's put it this way: if it's a typical college football Saturday, neither game would be worth watching. So. Wouldn't even get, so we won't do a pick podcast that one, but of course, every Friday we will have the picks podcast where we'll break down every single game for y'all. Um, got lots of good information, lots of good stuff for y'all on this one. We'll go ahead and kick things off though on the West Coast with the Pac 12. Um, I think Ben and I are in agreement that the Pac 12 is by far the weakest conference in all of college football, but we'll have to start things off with probably the last team that made the Pac 12 relevant here. And that is, oh, first off, Ben, before we even start off with a specific team, do you think the Pac-12 is going to get a team into the college football Final Four? Uh, once again, I do not have them having a team uh, in the Final Four. I, I think the expansion that seems to be gaining momentum of coming to college football will help the Pac-12 a lot. Um, they don't have bad teams. It's just they don't have a team that can really compete, um, you know, with the, with the top dogs just yet. Uh, or, you know, Oregon recruits the best out of the Pac-12. They, they recruit at a very high level. Mario Cristobal has done a great job recruiting, but they don't play with the same intensity. They don't play with the same consistency as the other top dogs. Um, so they're just, they're just not all there just yet. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely on that one. I think Oregon will be back eventually, but – yeah, it's definitely a couple years away. Also, too, don't really like what Clay Helton's doing with USC, who is typically the other team you see get in there. I mean, Utah's had a couple opportunities and fallen short in big games. So, I mean, the Pac-12 has definitely had its chances. They just couldn't convert at the end of the day. Washington's made it a couple times, but have yeah. been completely overmatched. Yep. They, I mean, they, they held their own a little bit. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say they held their own to an SEC standpoint, but for being a Pac-12 team, I mean, they kept it somewhat competitive against Alabama that one year. But now let's go ahead and start things out with the Oregon Ducks. Um, ben, Oregon has, in my opinion, arguably the most talent in this entire conference. Um, they were the fourth best passing team in the NCAA last year on third down. So that's a good thing they have going for them. But they have Anthony Brown, the old um, quarterback from uh, Boston College, who transferred in there last year. And look, I don't think he's exactly the best quarterback ever, but I think he's good enough to get the job done for this Oregon team. They have a decent defense, too. And this is an Oregon team that surged a lot at the end of last year. They're able to get to the Pac-12 title game and win last year because um, Washington had too much, had too many COVID people, uh, people out. So they were not able to play in this game, but ultimately Ben, I think Oregon's gonna be a really competitive team and I wouldn't be shocked if they won their side of the pack 12. 
No, I wouldn't be shocked either. Um, I actually have Oregon finishing first in the Pac-12 North. Um, you know, the thing with Oregon is uh, they brought in offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead, who uh, mm-hmm. SEC fans will probably recognize that name. He was at uh, Mississippi State for a little bit for a short stint yep. as their head coach. He, he some can, A lot of people, from what I've read, consider him as one of the top play callers in college football. Um, he was a big get for when Mississippi State got him. I think it was just a culture fit. Like, he did – they just didn't mesh together, and uh, he's gone back to his offensive coordinator days. And listen, you know, you mentioned uh, Anthony Brown, how he can be a little inconsistent at quarterback. Not a huge name, but Oregon's got two electric running backs, C.J. Verdell uh, and, and Travis Dye. The, yep. These guys are – I mean, these guys can run the football. I, I expect Oregon to use their speed on the ground a whole lot this year. And, you know, something that will get these two running backs smiling is – Oregon returns all five starters from their offensive line. Oh yeah. Um, that that's something that you're going to hear me repeat a lot when we do college football, as we start to ramp it up experience on the experience in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line is, is the most important thing you can get in college football. If you can dominate the trenches, you can win a lot of football games. Uh, you know, the thing with Oregon is we're going to find out kind of what they're made out of really, really early. They play Ohio State yep. like week two or three this season. Um, I, I don't think they will beat Ohio State. I don't think it matters whether it's in Eugene, Oregon, in Columbus, Ohio, or in a neutral site. I, I think mm-hmm. Ohio State wins that game. I want to see how competitive and how uh, how closely they can play that game. You know, if they get blown out, and I think Oregon's the, better, the best team in the Pac-12 North, then that's going to really put in perspective what I think of the Pac-12 north division if they lose to ohio state by like 30 points so i'm really interested to see kind of what they what kind of what we get out of the tape uh, out of the gates with them they have experience at quarterback he's a little inconsistent but he is a veteran they have veteran offensive line as you mentioned they have they have a uh, pretty stout defense i mean they have he's probably going to be the number one pick if not a top three pick when he's eligible Kayvon thibodeau he's mm-hmm. like the Jadavian clowny of of uh defensive line he he's unblockable. So um, they have another, they have the Justin Flow, I think his last name is F L O W E. Another huge linebacker that can rush pretty well. They, they have a lot of talent at Oregon. Uh, I'm waiting for them to, to kind of put it all together. I don't think Anthony Brown's the quarterback that takes them into the national spotlight to where I think they want to be. And I think they can get. Yeah. I can't remember who their backup quarterback's name is, but he's supposed to be a pretty good prospect. So I wouldn't even be shocked if we saw him at some point this season play, but yeah, I mean, Anthony Brown's decent. You know what I mean? He's not like the, I would put him in like the middle of the pack of college quarterbacks. Another team that bodes well to for Oregon is they're minus 14 in turnovers and they started out really poorly. So, I mean, minus 14 in turnovers is pretty damn bad. So, I mean, it's tough to be worse than that. So that's a good sign for the Ducks. And, yeah, I actually have them finishing second. The team I have finishing first, the Pac-12 North, is the Washington Huskies. And I actually have them winning the Pac-12 championship, just to allude to my prediction to win the Pac-12. But, um, yeah, the one thing I really like about Washington is last year they had first-year head coach Jimmy Lake, who was their defensive coordinator, um, when they had – why am I drawing a blank? What was their uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Peterson? Yeah, when they had Chris Peterson in there as their head coach, who obviously departed. Um, so they were 122nd in experience. Now, all of a sudden, this is a Washington team that, um, I mean, with that, they were still able to make it to the title game, but they have a powerful offensive line. 
have a great run game and the Jimmy Lake's defense is going to be amazing. 18 starters return. Um, they avoid USC and their two toughest games are Oregon and Arizona state who they get to play both of them at home. So I think those things bode well for the Huskies. But the thing I really like is I think that they're going to be able to run the ball and stop you on defense, but also too, I think quarterback Dylan Moses who comes back again this year, or Dylan Morris, sorry. I think he's going to have a really good season once again. And I mean, they do have five-star freshman Sam Heward, who's the best recruit in the history of the program at quarterback. So you know, if he's not getting it done, they always have another option as well, which is a good thing. But I think they're stacked up. I think they have great coaching, and I think they'll ultimately be able to win their side of the Pac-12. It's a great pick. Um, I actually have Washington uh, coming in second in the Pac-12 North. So this would be – I mean, you brought up a lot of good points. So this would be Jimmy Lake's – technically his first full season with the, yeah. with the full offseason. Um, but he does have experience. I like how you brought up how he was the defensive coordinator. So they hired from within, I think – that gives you a jump start in year one. You're not completely starting over. It's just a different guy calling the shots. Um, with Washington, a lot of the time, and this was true under Chris Peterson as well, it's a defensive-minded football team. It, it has been in past years. I think it's going to be again this year. This team could really challenge Oregon. I, I think these two teams kind of stand above everyone else in the Pac-12 North. Um, what, what, I'll, what I will say is for Washington that's good news is they have a favorable schedule. Uh, you mentioned how their two hardest games are at home. They just got to figure out how to score. And I, I think, um, you know, the true freshman, uh, Sam, um, uh, what's his last name? Sam Heward. Thank you. Uh, I think him coming in, I think it can put pressure on uh, their starting quarterbacks. I don't think Sam will start week one, but it, competition is, you really find out who, who's willing to fight for their job. Competition is supposed to bring out the best in you. Um, and, and, and you know what we've seen? Colleges are not afraid to throw these young kids in in big moments anymore. I think he'll definitely get playing time this year. It just depends on their starters, see how much consistent play they can get. Look for this defense to, to finish like top 15 at the end of the season in the country. They, they, they sh- uh, Washington has been able to put multiple cornerbacks and safeties in the NFL in, in recent years. They're great in the turnover margin game. They have been in recent years. Uh, Jimmy Lake is a defensive-minded coach since he was the defensive coordinator before. Look for this defense to kind of lead this team, and, and let's just see if they can score enough points. But they're going to be very competitive in the Pac-12. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they always put those big-ass Samoan dudes in the NFL, too, whose names I'm not even going to try to pronounce. But <laughs> you know how they do with that Washington D-line. Um, next up, we'll flip over to the Pac-12 South. And, you know, typically we see this USC team win the side of the Pac-12. Look, USC's offensive line last year sucked, and they could not run the ball at all. They have um, – I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but the former um, Texas Tech co- head coach as their offensive coordinator, and all he wants to do is throw the ball up and down the field. I personally don't think Clay Helton's the man for the job as the head coach of this team, and I think his days are very, very numbered here for Southern Cal. Also, on top of all that, I I think this defensive side of the ball is where they're much better. You know, this defensive line is nasty, and they actually blitzed the most of anyone in college football last year. They have the easiest schedule in all of the Pac-12 where they don't play Oregon or Washington. On top of that, I love Keaton Slovis, their quarterback. I mean, I think that he's one of the better guys who can make throws up and down the field. They have 16 returning starters. At the end of the day, though, I feel like this USC team, you know, they might have have a number three offense, number two defense, and the number one special teams in the Pac-12 last year. 
but yet somehow they still manage to be a very average team and lose a lot of games they shouldn't. I think it'll be the same thing again. I think they lose probably three games this year. If they lose four, Clay Helton's definitely gone three. He might be able to keep his job, but USC is known for choking somewhere down the road. I feel like the same thing happens once again. Also, too, when you look at all the receivers they put in the NFL the last couple of years with St. Brown, Michael Pittman, just name two of them. You don't have those same guys out on the edge to help make play to help make plays. You know, Keaton Slovis, JT Daniels, they're able to just kind of throw it up to those guys and let them do their things. They don't have the liberty to do that again. I think the Trojans go nine and three and won't win this side of the Pac-12. So I agree uh, on a lot of what you said, and, and I'll get to the part that I might disagree on. But I think I'm in the minority on on the part I disagree. So uh, the the offensive coordinator you're thinking of is Texas Tech legend Graham Harrell. Yep, uh, he's the offensive coordinator. I'm with you on Clay Hilton. Um, I, I don't, I don't really think he's the best person to lead USC back to the promised land. I don't think he's going to get there. He's under a ton of pressure to win uh, and win now. Um, you know, he needs a strong campaign to keep his job. As you said, you brought up returning quarterback, Kendon Slovis. A lot of people have him in the top five returning quarterbacks in college football. I'm not going to say I'm not high on him because he is good. I'm not as high on him as, as everyone else seems to be. I just feel like people are acting like he's just like the savior that USC needed. And I don't know if he's going to put up any better numbers than JT Daniels is going to do. So I know that it's different teams and JT Daniels is playing a harder, harder schedule. I think JT Daniels is going to put up a lot better numbers than Slovis will. It, it, I just think he's a better quarterback. Um, I, I would not have run JT Daniels out of town as quickly as USC did. But Kendall Slovis definitely earned the job, and there was just no more room for JT. So he ended up going to Georgia. USC's always get the playmakers out wide. You mentioned a couple of them. Um, I, I can't think of their, their stud right now. I don't have it written down in front of me. But I'm not worried about the playmakers outside. My concerns with is the offensive line going to hold up. Yep. Kendall Slovis, you know, they've had quarterback injuries a lot in the last couple of years. They've had to shape shift around. This offensive line needs to protect them. They need to be able to run the football to get back to the uh, play action game. The Slovis, you know, does pretty well. He's a, he's a good drop back passer. He's good. You know, there's two guys to keep an eye on with the defense. They're, they're just absolute studs. Um, edge rusher, Drake Jackson, one of the best in college football. His name will be all over uh, draft boards and top overall recruit. He was the number one recruit in the country will be a true freshman, Corey Foreman. This is not, uncommon in today's college football world where a top prospect is a defensive end and very rarely do they disappoint this is just the next man up this man should dominate college football and in three years he'll have his name called out in the first round um you know if he if he plays the way a lot of people expect him to play if he can stay out of trouble and if he can uh just kind of go on the ride of college he's got nfl first round pick all over his name a lot of pressure on USC. I do not have them um, uh, winning the Pac-12. I do not have them winning their side of the Pac-12. I'm I'm not as high on USC now. I'll, I won't be shocked if they prove me wrong. I have USC finishing third in the Pac-12 uh, South. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Actually, Ben, you got to be able to run the football at the end of the day. You know, Slovis will get. If he's dropping back there throwing every single time, teams are just going to drop everyone to coverage. And that's when you start throwing interceptions and trying to fit balls into windows that don't work out. So I'm going to agree with you completely on that one, Ben. I think, I think USC has a lot of talent. 
just at the end of the day, if you can't run the football, it's very tough to win in college football. Um, ben, I'm going to throw it to you to start us off on this one. Let's talk about a team that we're both very, very high on, and that is the Arizona State Sun Devils, who do have a pending NCAA investigation, so that could be a little weird with their season by what happens with that. Ben, why don't you tell everybody why we're so high on this team? Well, so first off, I think I think Texas A&M is the sexy pick to, to win the Pac-12, at least the Pac-12 South. Um, you know, everyone – well, you said Texas A&M. I'm sorry, Arizona State. <laughs> um, I think I think Arizona State's the sexy pick um, <laughs> to win the Pac-12. You know, everyone knows their coach, uh, mm. Herm Edwards. I think a lot of people know who their defensive coordinator is. His name is Antonio Pierce. He was a legend for the New York football giants for a long, long time. You know, former big-time prospect. He was a five-star dual-threat quarterback. Jaden Daniels has been good in college. It, it's time to take – it's time to take the next step. It's, it's time to go to the next level. Listen, he's poised to have a, he's have a good chance to win this division, to win this conference. It's, it's now or never for him, for Arizona state. Um, you know, I think their offense is going to be pretty high profile. Um, th- this is another school that has also put a decent amount of wide receivers in the last couple of drafts. Um, you know, and kill Harry was a first round pick Frank yep. Darby, who Frank Darby, is he on the Falcons? I'm not sure he where he's Falcons. at. Yeah, I think he's on the Falcons, and he went to Arizona State. And there are some other guys um, who are Ayuk. just not as big name. Ayuk, thank you. Um, this is going to be a high-profile offense. Think of Arizona State as the Ole Miss of the Pac-12. I think they can score a lot of points. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what their defense is going to bring to the table. But the good news is for them is the Pac-12 schedule is a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Um, than than Ole Miss. So if I'm if I'm calling you the Ole Miss of the Pac-12, you know, you should have a better record than Ole Miss because their schedule is going to be harder. So I, I think they are poised to have a very good chance to win the win the conference this year, but also to win the division. I have them finishing second. I'm I'm a little bit higher on a team that I'll talk about next, but I'll let you talk about Arizona State first. Yeah, Ben, I'm actually with you on that one. I'm finishing second as well. Um, Herm Edwards, seventeen thirteen in his uh, tenure. Um, at while he's been at Arizona State, um, you know they have seen some, some top twenty-five teams as well already. Yeah, he has. They had some interesting seasons. I mean, they won. They their average margin of victory last year was by thirty-eight points per game. Um, they have nine starters on offense, eleven returning on defense. So interesting for the defense to be better. That I think can actually be better this upcoming season. Um, like I said, they have this pending NCAA investigation. So that's going to be interesting. They had, they only blitzed on 18% of snaps, which was one of the lowest in college football last year, but they still were getting three pay- takeaways per game, which is crazy to think about. Um, also want to say this about the entire Pac-12, probably should have said this at the beginning. It was such a weird year with COVID, but especially in the Pac-12, it was even weirder. So a lot of you stuff that happened. The hardest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like a lot of stuff that happened last year, I like to throw away and whatnot, but, um, Jaden McDaniels, I'm very high on him. I think he's going to be a beast. One interesting thing is, though, he was only 58% passing accuracy on non-play action plays. But at the end of the day, I think this Arizona State team stacked up, and I think they're probably the, second, the third, fourth best team in the entire Pac-12. I think they're going to show it. I think they're going to have a really good season. I think you pretty much made all the good points and everything. I can't really capitalize any better than you did. But, yeah, man, I like this team a lot. And, no, I think that they've, they've kind of become an NFL factory with all the guys they got down there with Vontez Burfecht, with Herm Edwards, and Antonio Pierce, you know, they've really done a good job of keep making this program what it is now. Um, next team up here, 
Um, you know what, Ben? I'm going to let you talk about them just because I don't want to steal your thunder. But this is me and Ben's both our sleeper team. And this is actually who I have have uh, playing in the Pac-12 championship game against Washington, just not winning. Ben, why don't you tell them about the, about the Utah Utes? Yeah, this is not an easy – this is a team, I feel like, in basketball and football. It's a team that gets overlooked way too often. Yep. Um, I'll start with – by saying this is not an easy place to play. When you, when you play a night game at Utah, if they go blackout with their fans on you, good, good luck. luck. Yeah. Good luck. It is not an easy place to play. Opponents have not had a ton of success uh, playing in Utah in recent years. They have a veteran quarterback, not for them, but veteran quarterback, Charlie Brewer. He transferred from Baylor. This will yep. be his third, if not fourth season playing college football. They just need consistent play out of them. Keep the turnovers down. Listen, this team, strong offensive line. Really strong offensive oh, line. Yeah. A lot of guys returning. Th- this team can run the football. Um, they just put Zach Moss into the pros, I think, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this team, I think, is going to be really tough um, to play at home. And the reason why I have them winning the Pac-12 South is because they get to play Oregon and Arizona State at home. They're one tough road game. And it's a really tough one. Is USC? I, I don't have the schedule pulled up in front of me. I'm pretty sure they won at USC within the last three years. So uh, you know, this is this is a program that. And if I'm wrong on that, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll I'll do better to research before. But Utah is a program that should not be slept on. Veteran quarterback, strong offensive line, always a strong defense. Not to mention another Pac-12 school that has put multiple secondary defenders into the NFL, not to be slept on. This team is tough to play at home. They play two really hard, two out of the three hardest games at home, and I love that for them. So I'm going to pick Utah to win the Pac-12 South to play Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. I have Oregon um, I have Oregon taking the Pac-12 title crown. I think that'll be – if that's the matchup, if I predict this correct, Utah-Oregon, that's going to be an unbelievable matchup. Unbelievable Pac-12 championship. Yeah, I wish we could uh, get odds on the Pac-12 championship just or like the two teams to play each other like you can for certain other events because, I mean, I would love to definitely take something where I got like Utah versus Washington or versus Oregon or something like that. I think it'd be probably like 600 to a thousand to plus a thousand odds. So yeah, great odds on that. But um, yeah, Ben, I think you had a lot of the nails on the head. Charlie Brewer coming in, obviously they had a lot of injuries last year in their offensive line. They're pressured on 42% of dropbacks, which is pretty bad, but they had tons of injuries and had to basically shuffle the entire offensive line. So that was honestly a lot of it. Cause I mean, they have basically two guys that are going to be first team all pack 12 when that comes out and whatnot. So I like this Utah team a lot. I think they're going to be really good. Um, also, and they added they added a lot of depth in the transfer portal. I think they added yeah. like five or six guys in transfers this year. Mm-hmm. It helps with depth. Oh, for sure. On top of that, they were going into the season last year. They're number 127 in experience. And, you know, that was when they had the Saks Lake, Lake City team the year before when they lost to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Might have even been able to go to the college football Final Four if they didn't lose that game to Oregon. Um, so, I mean, they pretty much had all these guys play last year. Now, all of a sudden, they have 19 starters back. I mean, they still kind of overachieved last year. They, they almost made it the Pac-12 championship game. And Ty Jordan, one of their studs from the defense, he ended up dying last year in a heartbreaking accident around Christmas time. So you factor all those things together. They have the extra motivation that they're playing for Ty Jordan. I think it's all the more reason to back Utah Utes here to win the Pac-12 South and go on to play in the Pac-12 championship game. So 
I like that prediction a lot there, Ben. Um, last team worth mentioning here in the Pac-12 before we get out of the Pac-12 um, is UCLA. I'm going to go ahead and say this about UCLA. UCLA does have the hardest schedule in the entire Pac-12, ranked 33rd in all of college football. You, the Bruins, though, are another team that has a lot back. I mean, they played some weird games last year. Ben, you want to touch on the Bruins to start us off? Yeah. Um, so, obviously, Chip Kelly is is still their uh, head coach. Uh, you know, if you follow college football, that's, that used to be a really big name in the coaching world. Not not too much anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, just like we've talked about, returning playmaking quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, he's a guy that was really – Mm-hmm. Really recruited highly. I believe he was a four or five star. Ended up uh, at UCLA. They lost, uh, I mean, a ton of close games last year. I think they had like three or four losses all within like six or ten or something like that. I mean, they they the adjustment for me is you get one year more experience with the coach, with a quarterback, and with other players returning from your team that's something that can make the little adjustment of turning a close loss into a win the next year. The offense should finally be better under Chip Kelly. I mean, if it's not, I, I just don't know how to, how to back this man up anymore. He's, he's used to be an offensive genius, an offense creator. Um, I don't know if he's lost his touch a little bit. Maybe he just doesn't have the players, but UCLA should not be struggling for talent. I mean, it's literally in Los Angeles, California. There is a million play. You don't even have to leave the county to fill a team. There's just so much talent in and around Los Angeles that UCLA should never struggle recruiting, but they have. So, you know, we'll see. Um, I'm not too, too high on UCLA. I have been finishing fourth, um, you know, after Utah, Arizona State, and USC. Um, I'm not considering them one of my sleeper teams this year in the Pac-12. I know we'll get to that next. Uh, but what do you have on US, uh, UCLA? Yeah, pretty much the same things you had. Um, they do bring back 10 starters on both sides of the football. Like, I think they can be better. I think they can be more competitive than we've seen them in the past just because, you know, Chip Kelly, I feel like he has to have a specific kind of recruits in there. This is finally like his third year with all his recruits and everything in there. Um, also, too, another point that you had hit on for for us when you were just talking right there, um, Chip Kelly, you know, um, he's kind of been slowly building up and the team has not been that great. So I feel like he's slowly built up to all this, this season with the team. I feel like this is his year to have a better season. Plus, you know, they played a lot of close games. They're, they're basically margin of victory slash lost. If you average all together for the season was about 15 points total for their losses. So not terrible there for UCLA. I think they'll have a decent season, but overall, I, I think the same thing for you with the Bruins, you know, I mean, they do get to play against Arizona and Colorado who are going to be absolute garbage, arguably two of the worst teams in all of college football, in my opinion. So that always helps, you know, get two shoe in victories. I mean, if you don't win those games, you don't deserve to be a D one program. So Arizona, I think their win total is projected at one. They're going to be as bad as Kansas is. So yeah, their only win they might win, I think is against like an Arizona directional school or like a Colorado directional school or something like that. So yeah, they're going to be complete dog poop. So yeah. Who's your uh, who's your sleeper team out of the Pac-12? Um, I went the same way as you did with the Utah Utes. I think they're the my, they're my sleeper team. They're your sleeper team. I think they have a shot to win the to win the conference. Yeah. By the way, guys, for me and Ben's uh, sleeper teams, we'll verify with y'all if they're going to be a sleeper to actually win the conference or if they're a sleeper team to actually um, win the Pac-12. I mean, if they're, they're yeah. a sleeper team just to you know win some games, and be competitive. I, I think another team that 
I think they don't. I don't think they deserve to be underlooked. Mm-hmm. I think they deserve to get a little talked about. Is Cal? Um, Cal's been building. They they've been getting better the past couple of seasons. They've returning quarterback Chase Garvers. I, I think he's underrated. To be honest with you, he you know in in yeah. I don't know. I probably watched four or five Cal's games last year. He's got some potential. And listen, I always like to bring this up. They're returning four out of their five starting offensive linemen. You return four out of your five starting offensive linemen. You return your quarterback from the year before, and your offense has a chance to do pretty. You know, to do they have a chance to do pretty well. I think this is a team that can pull off an upset against against. Uh, you know, let's see, they're in the north, so. You know, if you're Oregon, Washington, I have Cal finishing third, to be honest with you. Um, it's it's nothing against Stanford. I, I'm a big David Shaw fan as a coach. They have, like, one of the hardest schedules in, in the entire country this year. Um, you know, Stanford faces five, I think, five or six opponents. Um, or I'm sorry, five or six power five opponents, and that's including Notre Dame. Um, and in the crossover, they face – uh, they face uh, some of the teams that are projected to be at the top. So I think Stanford is going to have a is going to have a hard schedule. So I think Cal's in a good position to finish third and possibly pull off an upset. You know whether it's versus Oregon or Washington yeah. this year. Yeah, no, I think Cal will be respectable. So I definitely like that prediction there, Ben. Um, let's move from the Pac-12 on to you know what we might as well go ahead and go with the Big 12. Let's go ahead and jump in here with the reigning Big 12 champions of about, it feels like they win every single year in a row now, the Oklahoma. Six in a row. Yep, six Six in a row. row. And to be honest with you guys, I don't think it's been much different this year. Look, I think this might be the best Oklahoma team we've seen yet. We've seen some pretty damn good ones with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield playing quarterback. Alex Grinch, I mean, he's just that guy. Like, he was in the – he was the Washington State head or a defensive coordinator and he made this defense decent i mean he does it everywhere with these teams that like to pass a lot so like he knows how to style his defenses he took this oklahoma defense from being almost in the in the hundreds in defense all the way to 25 last year um i think they'll be top 15 this year as they return a lot of talent on that side of the football also too i mean spencer radler the stud quarterback but to go along with that you have in my opinion top three running back room and arguably the best offensive line in all of college football you pair all that together around spencer rattler i mean this wide receiver class so stacked rambo had to transfer out that's how stacked they are and he was one of their better wide receivers last year i think oklahoma is an absolute juggernaut and they will beat the brakes off every single team in the big 12 this year i mean this team is so stacked up i feel like too that they've got you know everybody's talking about oklahoma they're saying and, oh, they can't ever. They can never win a game in the playoff. They can never do this. They can never do that. Lincoln Riley and this team are tired of freaking hearing about it. The only thing I think could possibly hold them back is if all this money and stuff gets to Spencer Rattler's head. I personally don't think it does. I think he wants to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. I don't know if he will be, but it'll be one of the first quarterbacks selected in this upcoming draft. I like Spencer Rattler and the bunch to throw the ball around the yard, put up big numbers, and just blow the doors off everyone in the Big Twelve. This is the best team by far. Yeah, I mean they're a juggernaut. Uh, you hit all the high points. I mean, Spencer Rattler is, I believe he's the Heisman front runner yep. as the preseason front runner. Um, you know, this, this team and the Kyler Murray team, I, I, I would put at least preseason, I would put on scale. I'm not ready to say this one's better just yet. Um, you know, their defense is supposed to be better. It's, it, it got better last year. It's supposed to be even better this year. So I, I'm just going to wait and see for that. Uh, you know, the thing with Oklahoma, 
obviously their nemesis has been defense, but I think another thing with them is consistent play. They have not proved to, to anyone that they show up every single week. That is not the case. If you remember in week three or week four last year, Spencer Rettler got benched. Yep. Now, I, I, I mean, I know that it's a, it's a new year, and he, he's the man on campus. He's, he's got a lot of hype, but you got to show up each and every week. Um, I don't know if they're going to blow the doors off of everyone just because I think Iowa State is, is a really good program. They're returning a lot, and I think one of the better coaches, one of the you most underrated. Home, they do get him at home, but if I'm not – didn't Iowa State just beat Oklahoma pretty recently in Norman? Fact check me on that while I, when I go uh, into a deep dive on, on yeah. uh, Oklahoma here. You know, another – you mentioned Rambo had to transfer out. Well, this guy hasn't transferred, but Jaden Hazelwood, who was a, one of the top wide receiver prospects in the country out of Georgia, the state of Georgia, has barely touched the field for Oklahoma yet. And that is shocking because he's supposed to be this worldly talented wide receiver. Uh, I'm interested to see if he gets a lot of playing time this year, if he can take it to the next level. I believe he's going into his junior year, so he needs a big year here. I'm expecting Spencer Rattler to put up big numbers. Um, I'll, I'll already let everyone know. Go ahead. Do you have an update? Yeah, it was last year, but the game was in uh, Iowa. And then the year before, they won 42-41 to 41 at home on like a last-second touchdown. Okay. So they've just been con- – they've been able to beat Oklahoma. I guess yeah. is a better way to phrase that. This team should be an offensive juggernaut. They, they have been over the past couple of years. They're a quarterback factory. They're, they're this and they're that. You know what Oklahoma is. Um, I'm, I don't need to go in depth about them too much. I think they're going to be really, really good. I think Spencer Rattler is going to be in my final four for the Heisman talk. And uh, I have Oklahoma making the playoff after they win the Big 12 for the seventh consecutive season. Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's fair enough to you, just say that one there. Um, the second, the team I have finishing second in the um, Big 12 is the Iowa State Hawkeyes. Ben, you want to start us off on Iowa State? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's worth mentioning Matt Campbell. Um, mm-hmm. Had plenty of opportunities, plenty of offers to go to a bigger-name school. Uh, has decided to turn down all of those offers. Um, you know, congratulations to him. It's he He's the type of guy that wants to stick around, build, to, you know, to see what he started from nothing. So, you know, all the kudos to him. Uh, I think he's a tremendous coach. I think a lot of people around college football think he's a tremendous coach in the game. Listen, they got – they're returning their two best players. I mean, quarterback Brock Purdy has a chance to be a Heisman candidate this year. Running back Brees Hall also has a chance to be a Heisman candidate this year. And the secondary, man, I'm excited for the secondary. They should be outstanding once again. This team – they're a complete team, man. This is, this is not a small-town team that can't compete with the big boys. They absolutely can. We've already mentioned that they have been able to beat Oklahoma and hang with them in recent years. They've beaten Texas over the past couple of years. This team is consistent at the top of the Big 12 under Matt Campbell. I think they finish second with the chance to beat Oklahoma again. I mean, this Oklahoma versus them, I don't care where it is, Norman uh, or um, on Cyclone Field. Air is it Ames, Iowa? I want to say it's Ames, Iowa. Um, this is not a cakewalk. This is not a team you should take lightly. Oklahoma will not take them lightly. Um, I have them finishing second in another tremendous season 
for the Cyclones. Yeah, I agree with you, Ben. To be honest with you, I would feel better about taking them if they were still the underdogs. See, I feel like this year every single person knows about them now. Um, you know, they got all the hype um, preseason. They're projected to have five. Their positions rank as five of the top ten guys in the country. So Matt Campbell has this team absolutely stacked up. I mean, it seems like they struggle at the beginning of each season. Like, I remember two years ago I was high on them. They lost to Iowa to start the season off. Then all of a sudden they end up rattling off a bunch of wins in a row and barely lost to Oklahoma, too. Last year was the same thing, too. They lost to, like, Louisiana Lafayette or some team like that week one. I remember it was a horrible loss, and me and Ben were both scratching our heads. I'm pretty sure we blasted them on the podcast. And then all of a sudden they turn around and go to the Big 12 championship game for the first time. So this is a team that keeps getting better every single time of the season. One problem for them is they have the 12th hardest schedule in all of college football. That's because they have to play at Oklahoma, and they also have to play at Iowa, which is not going to be an easy one, too. We'll get to Iowa, though, here in a little bit. But, yeah, man, Brees Hall and Brock Purdy are going to be beasts. I did take a long-shot bet on Brock Purdy to win the Heisman just because, I mean, $25 wins you over $1,000 on him to win the Heisman. So, I mean, rather than betting on them to win the national championship or betting on them to win the Big 12, why would you not just bet on Brock Purdy to win the Heisman? Because if that team does either of those things, he's for damn sure going to win the Heisman Trophy. So I feel like it's all correlated together. But like you said, Ben, Matt Campbell's taking this program to new heights. Um, I feel like they're going to go to a BCS Bowl or whatever they call them now, New Year's Six Bowl. I feel like they're going to have a really good season. I mean, they have a complete team. They have so many playmakers everywhere on the field, but great defense, offense, everything. I just feel like, you know, they're probably going to fall short and probably lose two games this season. You know, it might be to Oklahoma twice, once in the Big 12 championship, once in the regular season. I personally probably think they'll beat Iowa State. It's just going to – I just feel like that – I just feel like, you know, when the expectations are for you, like I believe their Vegas win total, if they were to hit their win total, I think they would have to hit win like 10 games in order to hit their win total. It would be the greatest season in college football history. I just have like, a, you know, a principle that you can't back a team, you know, to have a great season when their win total would make them, you know, the best season in program history, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going for back-to-back best years in program history for sure. So um, I think under Matt Campbell's leadership, I think they're positioned to do well. They just mm-hmm. happen to have a, a, a juggernaut. I mean, a recruiting juggernaut, an offensive juggernaut, a Heisman candidate juggernaut, a they national Heisman championship candidates. contender uh, in Oklahoma is, is who they have to face. And that's you got to go through Oklahoma. You want the Big 12 championship. It's, you know, I know Kansas didn't do it last year in basketball, but if you want to win the Big 12 in basketball, you pretty much have to go through Lawrence, Kansas. Yep. Well, also, too, COVID helped take Kansas out last year, I remember. So was kind of some BS for them. Although, I mean, there was no way they were beating Baylor or Oklahoma State. It was not happening. Um, Anyway, let's move to, you know, it's tough with what team we should go for next year. I'm going to go with a team that I actually think is going to finish third here in the Big 12. And this might shock some people here. I'm going with the TCU Horn Frogs. Last year, they were 85th in experience coming back in both 2019, 2020. Um, their starting quarterback, um, Max Duggan, had to sit out a little bit with some heart issues, but they they actually rank in the top eight position categories um, under 28. So, like in eight different position categories, they have a player ranked in the top 28, which is pretty crazy. Max Duggan is a freak athlete. He played he played basketball, football, baseball, and ran track in high school. He could have gone to TCU to pull, do any of these, but he chose to play quarterback there instead. This kid is actually a freak, and I feel like he could be one of those guys who's drafted in the NFL, you know, in like the fourth or fifth round and ends up, you know, getting in a game because their quarterback gets hurt and somehow ends up sticking and winning some games as an NFL starter. That's how talented I think Max Duggan is. I was high on TCU last year, ended up underperforming. But look, guys, this defense is going to be good. 
The offense is going to be good. They have a hard road schedule, though, this season, and they have the 17th hardest schedule in college football. They're my sleeper team in this conference. Look, I don't think anybody can DC to Oklahoma, which makes it kind of unfun for a sleeper, but I have them as a sleeper in the sense of that I think they can actually win some games, and I think finishing third with how good that Iowa State and Oklahoma are in this conference is a big accomplishment. I could even see them finishing ranked right outside the top. Like I feel like they'll be a top-12 team in college football when the season's all said and done. I really like this team. I mean, they have great they have a five-star running back. His name's leaving me right now. So, I mean, it's not like this team doesn't have playmakers across the board. I really think Max Duggan, Gary Patterson to figure things out. I mean, I'd say he's probably, I mean, Trayvon Boykin and Andy Dalton are two of the better college quarterbacks we've seen. I mean, for like TCU is speaking. I mean, especially Andy Dalton, I would say is one of the best in general, but for TCU speaking, Trayvon Boykin was, a, was probably the next best quarterback they've had. I think he has the ability to be better than Trayvon Boykin. That's how high I am. Who knows? There always seems to be a team that I'm high on that in ends up shitting the bed. I don't think it's going to be them, though. I, I agree with Emmett everything you said. TCU is my sleeper team as well. I don't think they're going to, you know, compete with Oklahoma to win the conference, but I think they're a team that will be, a, you know, really competitive. I think they're mm-hmm. going to finish top 25 when the season's all said and done. And the only thing I'm going to add on Max Duggan is if you have never seen this man run in the open fields, Unreal. You, you wouldn't even recognize him. He can outrun just about anybody. The definition of a dual threat quarterback. And with Gary Patterson and TCU, defense. Defense is his middle name. His name is Gary Defense Patterson. So uh, this is a program that loves the blitz. They love the blitz from disguising angles. I, I look for TCU to be high on the turnover margin again. And, and if Max does, if Max Duggan can keep turnovers down, this team, I'm not too scared of their strength of schedule. Uh, their strength of schedule. This team that can win a lot of football games. I, I think this team, I'm going to put the, I don't know what their over-under is. I think they win nine games this year. Uh, I'm actually going to agree with you completely on that one, Ben. I'd say nine to ten wins is very realistic for this TCU team this year. It's going to be fun to watch. Also, the other cool thing about the Big 12 is you play nine conference games, so you play every single other team in the conference. That's a, You don't see that in any other conference of college football, so that's another cool thing here about the Big 12. Ben, why don't you tell us about what your boy Steve Tarkeesian is going to do as the Texas Longhorns this season? Yeah, so – I mean, it, you know, if, if people listened to, to me last year uh, or if, if I've talked to you college football before, you guys know how I feel about first-year coaches uh, or, at, you know, at a new school. He's been a head coach before, obviously. Man, it's tough in your first year. The expectations at Texas are high. Um, I don't think Tom Herman deserved to be fired that season, um, but I love the hire of Sark, so – the thing with him is he should lean on his five-star running back, Bijan Robinson, as much as he can. Oh, yeah. This guy's an absolute freak of a running back. He also brought in – oh, my God, I cannot believe I'm blanking on his name. He brought in a transfer from Alabama, Keelan Robinson, another Robinson kid. This is a kid I was very high on at Alabama. Not a ton of playing time. Just people raved about him in practice. An absolute speed demon. You get him in the open field, it's tough to catch up from him. I think he's eligible to play this year because I don't think last year eligibility counted. So Sark's going to have two running backs. One he's very familiar with already. And Bijan Robinson is going to be a top running back in college football uh, for this year and next year. So he'll be, he'll be high in the draft. The thing with Texas is, and Sark is, what can he get out of the quarterback position? Texas has to find some consistent play at a quarterback. I know that Sam Ellinger had a, had a 
Um, he had a good career at Texas. He was, he was, you know, he was a hometown kid. He was, mm-hmm. he was dream school was the play. His dream job was to play quarterback at the University of Texas. He lived out his dream. He had good seasons for Texas, but can they keep it going, man? I, the inconsistent play is what worries me about Texas, and that's exactly why I have them finishing fourth. I think Sark is the right man for the job. I really do. I think he needs some years to come and he got a long, long deal. So I think he sticks around in Texas and uh, we'll see what he can do. I'm just not expecting a ton in his first season, but they, they should be competitive. You know, I, I think anywhere between seven to nine wins, I think Texas gets seven and, and, you know, it's not looking great for Sark year one, but just because the expectations are so high. Um, but anywhere between seven to nine wins is kind of where I think Texas falls. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one, Ben. Look, I think the quarterback position is going to be tough. Looks like they're going to start a redshirt freshman, um, Card Robbins or Johnson or something like that as quarterback. Um, don't know too much about him, but I think at the end of the day, like you said, Sarks is going to need to just get his system and his guys in place. At least he's got a playmaker with Bijan Robinson. He'll be able to turn some things his way. I think this Texas team will get better as the season goes on. I don't think, though, they're going to be able to you know, upset Oklahoma, Iowa State, TCU, and those teams like that. I feel like that TCU-Texas game is the swing game for TCU that they're going to need. It's early in the season. I feel like that's the one where they're going to have to jump on them early and you know, kind of make the statement. But I like everything you said there, Ben. I feel like that, you know, Texas is in the beginning of yet another rebuild. Personally, I would have kept around Tom Herman. But at the same time, I mean, Sark's such a good coach. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's not a better coach, you know. So just going to say that on Texas this season. Um, Last team that I think is really worth mentioning here in the Big 12, that is West Virginia Mountaineers. Ben, how do you think they're going to do this season? You know, I think you're a lot higher on uh, based on our off-camera conversations. I think you're a little higher on West Virginia than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to me, the outlook of West Virginia, and I'll keep it brief, is I think they're they're a program that's looking to steadily improve in conference play. I mean, you, you mentioned that this conference plays everyone. You know, I, I think a big goal for them should be to finish the season ranked. I, I think that's, that's kind of the outlook I have for West Virginia. Um, I'm not, like, too high on them. I'm actually a little bit higher – on schools like Oklahoma State and uh, and Baylor, we have forgot Oklahoma State, so we'll have to talk about them last. Yeah, and, and Baylor, I'll just mention them real quick in case you don't want to talk about them. Mm-hmm. This is a team that got screwed over by COVID more than I mean, just about more than anyone. Yeah. Rescheduling, players hurt, just not knowing who's going to be able to play until it's a Thursday or Friday, and your game's on Saturday. This is a team that I think is going to get back to throwing the ball downfield. They got some wide receivers. My thing with them is I think their expected quarterback is a freshman, and you know how that goes. Um, I have West Virginia finishing sixth or seventh in this in this division in, uh, in this conference. To be honest with you, I, I think you're a little bit higher on them. So uh, let's get some positivity for the Mountaineers from you. Ben, not gonna lie, I was very positive on them. Then I did a little more reading into the deep dive in this team. This team has 17 starters returning. The only problem is the five that they're missing are their five best defensive players. So they lost a lot on the defensive side of the football. Also, too, when I did a little bit more deep dive, they didn't face an offense that was higher than 46th in college football that they actually did well on it. And Iowa State absolutely – honestly, this is a nice way of saying it. Iowa State beat the absolute shit out of them. And that's a nice way of saying what happened in the Iowa State game. They got absolutely housed. It's in the worst. 
Yeah, yeah, that it's was the, the worst, worst college football bet I've ever placed. No, no, no. The only one we did worse was the South Carolina LSU game. And the even worse part about it is we had like South Carolina plus eight, and South Carolina gets all the way down to like plus like four and a half. And me and Ben are like, oh, we got found the lock of the century. And they just got it. Pretty much the same thing happened in that one. It got down like we got him at like plus seven, and it was like plus five and a half on game day. And what do you know happens? Sometimes you can only get the best number, you know. But yeah, I'm actually not as high on West Virginia. Virginia um offensively this was an their deep this team was led by defense their offense you know like it was more their quarterback I can't think of his name right now he's more of a game manager and you know he's just good at you know like making minor plays he's not going to make the big players to blow the brakes off the game I actually agree with you I probably have West Virginia as the sixth best team in this conference so actually not a lot of positivity from me there on the Mountaineers but the other last team that we forgot to talk about is Oklahoma State who actually finishing fifth look Oklahoma State was probably my most disappointing team in all of college football last year. They had a completely new offensive line. They had a really good defense. I mean, Tylen Wallace, Dylan Stoner, Spencer Sanders, and Chubba Hubbard, in my opinion, was probably one of the most underrated offensive units in all of college football. They lost so many bad games and so many bad losses, so many turnovers in that Texas game that they blew and they led the whole freaking game and then they blew it. I mean, that game made no sense. This team made no sense last year. Actually, they'll bounce back a little bit. They um, Wallace and Sanders opted out of their bowl game. I can't think of the name of their two receivers, but they played well in that game. Spencer Sanders will be back from a knee injury. He's a really good running playmaking quarterback. I think he can make some plays on him. They have the, probably the most underrated defense in all of the Big 12, so that bodes well for them. Um Look, Mike Leach, or Mike Gundy, great head coach. I think he's going to get something going with this team. Um, also, too, part of it could have been, you know, when that Hubbard said he didn't want to play for him because he was wearing the shirt for, like, that sports network that was supposedly racist. So that could have been part of what made the team fall apart. I don't know what happened to him last year. I think they'll be a little bit better than they were last year, but still I have them as the, probably the fourth or fifth best team in this conference. I mean, the only thing I just want to add about Oklahoma State is can Spencer Sanders stay healthy? He's officially a veteran quarterback. He's going into his third starting season, uh, maybe second and a half. I think he, I don't know if he started his first year there, uh, but I know he played under Mike Gundy. He should know the offense by now. He, he made some of the worst throws that got intercepted last year that I could think of in, in games, in big games. He throwing in a triple coverage. I mean, it's just, you got to be smarter. And you're going into your third year. You can't afford to be making careless turnovers. His big thing is, can he stay healthy? You mentioned how he loves the run. Well, can't really help your team with running if you have a hurt leg all season. So later on in the year, I, I respect him for trying to give it his all for his team, but he literally couldn't run out of the pocket. And teams feasted on him because he's not a great thrower. If he stays healthy, this team can pull off some upsets. If not, it's going to be another struggling year. Yeah, I think once again, Ben, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Um, so our conference sleeper was TCU, who we both me and Ben didn't talk before the show about that one, guys. We didn't even know we were both gonna copy each other on that one. So I copy each other there, and then we both have you have the conference championship game the same way I do is Oklahoma beating uh Iowa State for the second time, right? That's correct. Yeah, hey, we're both on the same page. Look, guys. A lot of times we'll disagree on these season previews. NFL, I guarantee you, we're going to be completely different. I'm probably different from everybody this year in NFL. Um, NBA, MLB will always be different. But college football, if you all haven't noticed, it's the same four teams almost every single freaking year in the championship. <laughs> it's the same four teams, five teams that finish in the top ten every single year. So, I mean, the fact that we're going the same on all these – can't say, oh, they're copying each other, you know, like <laughs> it's just the way college football is. Um 
let's move now to the Big Ten. Um, so, I mean, Ben, there's only one place we can start here in the Big Ten. That is with the Ohio State Buckeyes. You want to tell me why that they're going to win the Big Ten championship once again this season, if it's well, you picked. Well, I do have – yeah, I have been winning the Big Ten. Well, they're loaded everywhere. I mean, <laughs> their their biggest strength, in my opinion at least, is, is in the trenches. And the first thing I talked about on this podcast was if you can dominate the trenches, you can win a lot of football games. Uh, folks, Ohio State might have the best defensive line and offensive line unit in all of college football. Uh, playmaker at receiver, I mean, pick a name out of a hat, the dude can make a play. Yeah. The only thing, I mean, listen, Ohio, the the Ohio State, since you got to throw the V in there. Um, listen, it's obvious how good they are. Uh, Ryan Day is a tremendous coach. I think people were a little worried, could he recruit like Urban does? Well, he's recruiting a little bit better than Urban was. My thing with, and the only thing that's worth mentioning about Ohio State that's not totally obvious is what are they going to get out of quarterbacks? They have, I think, three quarterbacks that are all battling for the starting job. It's going to go all the way through summer camp. Um, Ryan Day won't be announcing this until week one, probably. Uh, and I don't think they start off against a tough, tough opponent. I might be wrong on that. But listen, sky's the limit for this team. National championship contender this year. Um, I, I think another thing when they start to play better teams later in the season, when they play the Indianas, the Penn States, uh, if they have a tough out-of-conference game, if not, then by the time they're in the playoff, um, they they got to limit big plays from happening on defense. You know, I, I know that this is not the greatest example uh, because Alabama's offense last year was, like, one of the best that college football has seen. But they got, like – their cornerbacks who are supposed to be unbelievable. There's, there's, they call themselves DBU, just like LSU and just like uh, uh, who's Florida does. Like, I mean, left and right, Alabama was dominating them. Penn State has had receivers dominate Ohio State in past years. I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm gonna talk about this kid a little bit more uh, when we talk about Indiana. Indiana's got one of the best receivers in the country. Let me repeat that. Indiana's got one of the best receivers in the country. Ohio State has to start to limit big plays from happening. So between that and the quarterback competition, those are the only things I'm worried about for Ohio State. I'm not really worried about the quarterbacks. I just don't know who their starter is right now. I mean, I have them in my playoff. I have them in a very good chance to win the national championship this year. Yeah, um, I agree with everything you said there, Ben. Um, pretty much the only things I'm going to add on Ohio State is – the only question mark, like you said, is at the quarterback position. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not even going to add anything. I do have them winning this conference. Ben hit the nail on the head in every single spot. I mean, they're pretty much like the way Alabama is. They don't exactly have a ton of returning talent from last year, but every single guy in the field is a five-star. It doesn't matter who the hell it is. They're so damn good. They're one of the best – I mean, they easily have the best union college football. Team that – I mean, actually, you know what? We'll stay in the East in the Big Ten here, and we'll talk about Penn State. Now, actually, no. We'll go with Michigan next. Why not? We'll talk about the Michigan Wolverines here. Michigan had a very disappointing season last year. Joe Milton looked like the forward pass was a new idea. Um, this team basically <laughs> quit on their head coach last season. I mean, Michigan was an absolute dumpster fire last year. It was embarrassing watching them play football for them being Michigan under Harbaugh. I think there was one game, Ben, where we bet on them and they just got absolutely housed and we just ripped them to shreds on the next podcast for like two hours. So, why don't we go ahead and talk about Michigan? And look, guys, I actually have a little bit of upside here for Michigan. 
Harbaugh completely cleaned house, brought in a new staff. Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator, will be back. But, I mean, that was only his first year last year. I think their quarterback, McNamara, look, don't think he's the best quarterback ever, but I think he's good enough to get the job done for the Wolverines. Um, they have a new five-star running back who came in. I can't think of his name, but I actually think he gives a different dynamic to them. He gives them the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, I'm drawing a blank as well on on a, they're both their wide receivers, but they've been with the team for a while. They're both good wide receivers. They actually have some decent receivers out there, so I like that as well for Michigan. Look, Michigan – Last year, or this this upcoming season, they have 17 starters back after being ranked 130th and experienced the year before. Um, I think Harbaugh can have a decent season with this team. Michigan fans, I think you need to readjust your perspective of your school and of your team. You are a basketball school, not a football school. Be happy with going maybe, maybe, maybe 9-3, and three, but probably 8-4. and four. Be happy with it. That's what's going to happen. I think Harbaugh is going to have a better season, something more to build on. The defense should be decent. I mean, from Michigan, from Michigan fan perspective, it's not a good season. From my perspective of Michigan, they're going to have a good season. So, how many wins is that? Eight, eight nine, eight and four. I think they're going to. I think they're going to win win probably eight games and finish fourth. No, I'm going to say third in their side of the uh, of the Big Ten. Do they beat Ohio State? Hell no! They did not have a <laughs> prayer against Ohio State. Um, you said something that I think is the most important thing when you talk about Michigan football, and that's expectations. The expectations of Michigan football should not be national championship. I agree. I know that I know that, that can be hard to hear, but guess what? It's the same thing for Texas. Texas is not a national championship prog- uh, contending program. Neither is Michigan. They're, they're just not. They're not in the big games. They don't win big games. Both of these schools have struggled a lot recently um you know with Michigan I mean you hit the nail on the head I'm not gonna add too much more to it listen you got to get consistent play at a quarterback I mean they've tried what seems to be like a thousand quarterbacks since Harbaugh has been there and none of them have really panned out Mm -hmm. there's a name to keep an eye out for you know how when we do game by game I like to throw out a matchup you know, for our pre our preview, our pregame uh, conference show that we're doing now, yeah, I like to throw out names. True freshman JJ McCarthy, quarterback. If you can't get consistent play out of your guy, give this guy a chance because this kid is supposed to be the real deal. I know we've heard that before. He's a pocket passer. He's a pocket passer. Five star quarterback that has been committed to Michigan for some time. This kid wants to play at Michigan. I I think he's the future at quarterback there. I would not be shocked if he gets any if he gets playing time this year. Harbaugh is, you know, he's a former quarterback. He's supposed to be a quarterback coach. We'll see if he kind of grooms this guy and maybe this guy takes over for next season. This is a guy to keep an eye out for in the Michigan football program, JJ McCarthy. Yeah, I think that that's a uh, pretty good call there Ben on uh McCarthy. I think he's going to be a good player as well. Um I do think Harbaugh is I, – I think his job is, is safe. I, yeah. I don't even think that – they. it seems like they have no plans of getting rid of this guy ever. <laughs> Which I can't blame him. I mean, it's going to be tough to do better than Harbaugh. Um, and, and Josh Gaddis, by the way, um, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if people know this. He used to coach at Alabama. Kind of got run out of Alabama from Nick Saban. They didn't really like each other at the end. But uh, we'll see. 
Um, he, he was on the offensive game plan for Alabama. I think he was a wide receiver coach. Um, I might be wrong on that, but I know he used to coach under Saban in Alabama. So he's got the championship experience, the big game experience, uh, at least being in the same room of calling plays. So we'll kind of see it there. I'm forgetting on who their new defensive coordinator is, but their old def- defensive coordinator, Don Brown, is – I think what a lot of people would consider to be a legend around the game. It's just been a game around for a long time. He's no longer there. Um, so as you mentioned, new regime under Harbaugh. Um, we'll see. We'll see what they do. I, I, I'm not expecting too much this season, but we'll see what they can do in the future. Pretty hard to be worse than they were last year. That's all I'm going to say about Michigan on that one. Um, Next up here, we will talk about the Penn State Nittany Lions and James Franklin. Um, Got I actually have probably the most notes of any team from the conference for them. Ben, why don't you start us off? What do you have to? What do you think about them? Sure, I'll keep it brief. Uh, Sean Clifford, quarterback returns, dual threat capability. I think he's probably a better runner than he is. Oh yeah, Uh, thrower. This school has a million running backs. You might as well just call them Georgia and Alabama mm-hmm. of the Big Ten. Pick and choose whichever running backs you want. Playmakers out wide. The concern I have with them, and this is exactly why I don't think they can beat Ohio State this year, the trenches. <laughs> you know me. I love bringing up the defensive line, offensive line. They're going to get smoked by Ohio State. Yep. Um, I, that's a big, big concern for me. Another big concern is, listen, I think James Franklin's a good coach. Doesn't really back that up in big games very often. He's mismanaged a lot of games, especially with timeouts. Man, I don't know what it is. He's got the talent to compete with Ohio State. He's done it in some years. Now it helps when you have guys like Saquon and Deshaun Hamilton out wide and Trace McSorley was a good college quarterback. And I'm not too, too high on Sean Clifford when it comes to the big game potential. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Penn State finishes third in their side of the Big Ten. Um, I think Indiana has a very, very good chance to either finish second or third, but I think no one's stopping Ohio State. Yeah, I'm actually pretty down on Penn State. I think they're going to end up having a worse year than – I think Penn State might finish end up finishing fourth behind Michigan here. Um, I, I do want to throw out real quick, they lost a massive defensive player. In my opinion, he was one of the best defensive players in college football last season, Micah Parsons, linebacker. I believe he went number 11, the Arizona Cardinals, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Dallas. Dallas, thank you. Uh, maybe he didn't go 11 then, but he went around there. Uh, a do-it-all linebacker. That is an extremely tough guy to replace. Penn State typically has some strong linebackers. I think they even have one guy returning who was a starter last year. But it's really hard to re- replace a guy like that. No, I agree with you completely. I'm pretty sure Parsons might have sat out last year due to COVID. I can't remember 100% on that one. But, um, yeah, you know, this defense, they lost a lot of guys too, like Shaka Tony to the NFL as well. Their defense is young, and they don't have a lot of the guys back, and that's usually where Penn State seems to find their strength in football. They also were pretty bad last year, posting one of the worst numbers from a Penn State defense in years last year. So Penn State's defense is very down. Sean Clifford is an extremely shaky passer. He's a much better runner, like you said. They have playmakers, though, on offense. I will say that. If he can somehow get them the ball, they have the playmakers they need to get things going. The O-line was bad last year. I don't think they're going to be much better this year. They face five top 20 defenses, and they play Iowa and Wisconsin this season. So, I mean, they arguably have the hardest schedule in all the Big Ten. I could see them just getting beat the heck up this season and kind of throwing in the towel at some point in time. Um also, don't know how much the players will buy into James Franklin. I kind of see him just, you know, as like a dick. Is one, one of those coaches that's just kind of a dick, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know how much the players are actually going to buy into him as the season goes on. 
I'm pretty down on Penn State this year. I don't think it's going to be a good season for them. I think it's going to be a throwaway at the end of the day. I think he's a good coach. I think he is slightly borderline in the overrated category of, of in terms of coaches. Um, always has a good program. Um, you got to give him major credits for what he did at Vanderbilt because no one else has been able to do yeah. that. Um, and and they've competed with Ohio State. It's just I, – I don't know. I, I don't really know what the expectations Penn State fans have. If they're okay with eight-win seasons, I think he'll be there for a long, long time. Um, I, I just don't see them challenging Ohio State this year with Sean Clifford at quarterback. Yeah, I don't either. I don't see it. I don't. I'm not. I'm not sold on Clifford at all. Um, up next, let's talk about the Indiana Hoosiers, who probably had the best season in program history last year. And I mean, they almost ended up pulling off a crazy upset against Ohio State. Um, ben, why don't you tell us a little bit about Indiana? So Indiana, I mean, the Big Ten in general, they have two coaches. Um, they're on opposite sides of the Big Ten, but uh, Pat Fitzgerald of Northwestern. And uh, Tom Allen of Indiana. Phenomenal coaches. Very yeah. underrated coaches. I don't know if they're underrated anymore because Northwestern has had success, uh, a lot of success recently. And Indiana had a ton of success last year. Listen, with Indiana, <laughs> it sounds like Michael Penix Jr., their quarterback, is pretty close to fully healthy, which is huge for them. He's a go-to playmaker for this offense major dual threat ability. And I'm going to get to the guy that I was mentioning earlier. Top wide receiver, Ty Freifogel. All you have to do is put on this highlight tape to be like, wow, that's the guy that is dominating from Indiana. He's not a big guy. And all he does is catch everything thrown to him. All he does is burn whatever DB is covering him. This is a dude that is going to put up monster numbers once again. I think he's a really good slot uh, slot wide receiver for what the NFL looks for today. Great route runner, good speed, unbelievable hands. Listen, I'm high on Indiana again. Now, the question is how high is, you know, I don't think they're going to beat Ohio State, but I think they're, I think they're to finish. I think they're poised to finish second or third in, the, in, in their side of the Big Ten playing a lot of competitive games. I think this is another uh, program that can win nine games. Uh, I really do. I This team, I don't know if it's becoming a football school, but it's, you know, basketball's kind of been struggling there. Football's on the rise. Tom Allen's a tremendous coach. Michael Penix Jr., you know I love lefties. A lefty that can really do it all for Indiana. He's a dynamic playmaker in college football. And to, to be honest with you, he's not a guy that, that, it, that would win the Heisman. He's a guy that has the chance. He's a dark horse guy to be invited to New York because he can do it all. Indiana mm-hmm. puts up big numbers on offense like they did last year. He stays fully healthy. He stays fully healthy last year. You don't know what Indiana finishes because with, without him, I believe they had to play a, a true freshman quarterback, and he just wasn't ready. Fry Fogel and Penix Jr. are the leaders of this team, and it doesn't get much better than those two. Hey, I like the analysis there, Ben. I think you hit all the nails on the head. Um, Penix, they have 80% of their production back from last year. Pretty much they have nine guys back on defense, eight back on offense. Michael Penix Jr. is 12-2 and two as, the, as the starting QB. 12-2, um, and two, that's 12-2 and two straight up. So, I mean, they beat and they, three. And they had a strong, 
they had a strong turnover margin last year as well. Mm-hmm. They have a great defense last year. I mean, they beat three ranked teams for crying out loud last year. I mean, it's crazy how much this program's turned around. So I love this Penn State team. I mean, this um, Indiana team. I have them finishing second in the in the East behind Ohio State. Look, if they didn't have to play Ohio State, I would argue maybe they could win their side of the uh, of the Big Ten. So that's how good this team is. I really think they're being sl- they're being a little slept on. Honestly, it'll be a fun game when they play Ohio State, as they almost upset Ohio State last year. That one was good going into the fourth quarter. So definitely like that there for Penn State let's go over to the Big Ten West and there's only two teams that worth mentioning over on this side first team worth mentioning here is the Wisconsin Badgers I'll talk about Wisconsin look Wisconsin is a top 10 defense they play all the toughest teams they have to play this season at home and they're supposed to be favored in nine out of ten games Mm-hmm. They don't have to play Ohio State. There is they bring back quarterback Graham Mertz. There's no reason this team should not go undefeated. This team looks like a juggernaut for the first two games they played, then COVID struck. And then after that, this team was completely COVID wiped and looked terrible. That is all because of COVID. It was the COVID year. I think they can completely turn things around this season. I think they can have another great year. I mean, there is no excuses in my opinion that Wisconsin is not undefeated playing Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship for a spot on the line in the college football Final Four. What say you, Ben? I agree with just about everything you said. The only thing I'm going to – is going to add on to is is, uh, quarterback Graham Mertz, like you mentioned. Listen, the potential for this kid is sky high. It really is. He's the highest-rated quarterback recruit Wisconsin has ever had. We'll probably have for – a while because you know not a lot of top the nation's top quarterbacks are looking at Wisconsin they typically have a strong offensive line a ton of good running backs like to play defense they like to play the possession game Graham Mertz you can do a lot more than Wisconsin is uh is from what you're used to seeing Wisconsin do you don't have to play the possession game anymore I think they still run the football a lot but Graham Mertz can also run the football can throw the ball downfield which Wisconsin has really struggled basically since Russell Wilson was there, we're finding a quarterback to throw the ball downfield. A lot of potential on this team. I I have them finishing first in the Big Ten West. Um, And just like you said, I don't think their competition is all that tough. Their schedule is pretty favorable, in my opinion. You know, the, the, the second team, which I think you have them second, I have them second, Iowa. They're returning an All-American candidate, running back Tyler Goodson, another program that can – bust out the the uh the tight ends and the mm-hmm. and the offensive linemen so the fact that they have a potential all-american candidate running back is only good news for them you know this is a really consistent program basketball and football th- th- this school gets it done you know they're happy with winning eight nine games a year and not being national championship contenders that's why their coach has been there forever i'm interested to see what iowa does this year because the schedule is really not easy. It, it is not an easy schedule for Iowa, but I do think they're head and shoulders better than the rest of the Big Ten West. So that's why I still have them finishing second. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, Ben. This is going to be a good defense. I mean, they're going to be able to run the football. I do have a couple questions about their quarterback, Spencer Petras, how good he's actually going to end up being. But, I mean, he's probably just going to have to hand the ball off, and they're going to win games of defense. I mean, I've watched Iowa play some ugly 12 o'clock Big Ten games where I got an under bet, and, I mean, nobody's moving the ball. It's just back and forth, punt, 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 punt. So this Iowa defense is going to be a beast up front. What were you about to say? The Iowa-Iowa State game I think is going to be is going to be tremendous. I really oh, do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's week two. So, I mean, that's going to be a great game. By the way, week three, um, 
uh, Wisconsin plays Notre Dame. So, you know, that's going to be an interesting game, too. I mean, they could lose that one, but they could still easily win their side of the Big Ten because that doesn't, that doesn't matter what happens in that game for the Big Ten. But, yeah, I think Iowa and Wisconsin are head and shoulders above every single team in this other side of the Big Ten. Um, who's, your, who's your sleeper team out of the Big Ten this year? Hey, I was about to ask you the exact same thing. So, call me crazy. Look, guys. In this conference, I think it's pretty cut and dry on both sides. I really don't see any way that Ohio State or Wisconsin doesn't win their side of the Big Ten. So I'm going with a sleeper team that I actually think will end up finishing fifth in their side of the Big in the Big Ten East, which I think is a great accomplishment for this team. And that is Mel Tucker in Michigan State. Michigan State had some crazy upsets last year. This is a program that was basically doomed, that was just left in shambles with Mark D'Antonio of underperformance and being able to do nothing. They finally should have some decent play at quarterback. They look to have figured some things out. Look, that's all I'm going to say, guys. This is their schedule. So you're going to get to play Youngstown State. That should be one win. You get Nebraska at home. That should be two wins. You get Western you Kentucky who, at home. That should be you know three. Youngstown, you know who the Youngstown State head coach and athletic director is? Is it Bobby Petrino? I believe it's Jim Trussell. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, I, I think you are right. That's where he started out at was there, too. Yeah. yeah, that's a good call, actually. I completely forgot about that one. Bobby Petrino's at – I can't remember Bobby Petrino's at. But you get Maryland at home as well. So, I mean, when you look up and down at this schedule, I mean, you should be able to beat Maryland and Rutgers easily. I mean, you should be able to win against Youngtown State and Western Kentucky and beat – beat Nebraska. I mean, I think five wins for where that this for the way this program has been and the way that they left is a very good accomplishment. They're my sleeper team just because as of right now they're finished to pick finish dead last in the conference. They are fit, picked dead last and I don't think they're going to be dead last. So that's the reason why I have them as an upset team. Okay, that's not bad. Um uh, and not to mention they beat Michigan last uh they beat Michigan last year and they may have beaten did they beat Northwestern last year or maybe that was 2 years ago um no that was last year that was the game yeah. when northwestern like tried all the laterals at the end fumbled out of the end zone so i mean Mel Tuck, i mean they they got some nice wins on the resume or nice upset wins mm-hmm. um they beat penn state you know, my, too last year okay there you go my sleeper team is actually a team that you that you mentioned it, it kind of seems like you may have just looked right past them uh now this is not a team that i, I, I listen i have this team finishing fifth right above michigan state in the big 10 east Mm-hmm. Maryland, I I think Maryland is not a school to be just overlooked. Listen, you know who their quarterback is. You know the last name. It's, <laughs> it's Talia Tungavalo. They got to his younger brother, who's going to be the second year starter, uh, second year starter for Maryland. Michael Loxley, who was from Alabama, he's the offensive coordinator, is also going into his second year, really first full year because you know last year COVID was a lot. This is a team, and I mentioned it earlier. Uh, this is this is a team that could be the Ole Miss of, of the Big Ten. This is a team that can absolutely throw the ball downfield as often as they want to. And I'm going to throw out another name to keep an eye out for. Rakeem Jarrett, five-star wide receiver prospect committed to Maryland because he, his relationship with Michael Loxley. I believe he's also from the general area, so I believe he stayed home, if I'm not mistaken. An absolute yards after the catch monster if you if this guy catches the ball and there is not someone right there to tackle him you might as well get out of his way because this guy in open space open field you're not tackling him one-on-one it's okay. a guy that it's a guy that uh Tunga Valoa and Rakeem Jarrett they're, they're apparently close apparently in practice he's the number one target he's the number one receiver he was a five-star how often does Maryland get a five-star 
Stephon Diggs that, was the last one, I think. I didn't even know he was a five-star, so there you go. This is a team that can be somewhat similar to how Purdue looked when they had Rondell Moore at wide okay. receiver. They're not going to be great, but they can pull off an upset because, listen, I don't think they're going to stop many uh, many teams on defense, but you got to stop them. And when when uh, Tungvaloa took over last year, the points started going up and up and up. Michael Loxley, I have a lot of respect for Michael Loxley. I think a lot of I think Nick Saban, I think a lot of people in Alabama really loved him, and we're very happy to see that he got a head coaching job and he knows this area very well. Expect Maryland to get some decent recruits over the next couple of years. Michael Loxley is a tremendous recruiter. Supposedly, he's a tremendous like he's like a father figure. Like he's humble and he's a soft tone. Supposedly, the players like playing for him. I remember when he left Alabama, a ton of Alabama players, either in an interview or on Twitter, on their own mm-hmm. Twitter accounts, uh, had, a, had a very kind word to say for Michael Oxley. Maryland is my sleeper team to pull off a couple upsets this year. Not a bad choice at all, Ben. I actually considered Maryland. I had, I just can't sell myself on if I buy into hype or not. Pretty much everything I've read about them, it's going to go one of the two ways. I kind of figured, honestly, that's who you're going to bring up um, as your as your sleeper team once you didn't mention them throughout. Overs but... team. Overs. Look for their overs this year. Okay. Okay. I like that a lot. But, yes, you know, tough to kind of pick out the sleeper from that conference. It's a lot more difficult than others. But, Ben, I think we pretty much said our piece. Anything else you got before we get up out of here? This was a long one for us today. Um, if I didn't say so, I have Ohio State beating Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. Pac-12, I have Oregon beating Utah and then in the you have Washington beating Utah and then in the big 12 we both have Oklahoma facing Iowa State so listen I already have two out of my four playoff teams uh are my spots already taken you already have two as well um people have to find out a little later on the season if we have either of those teams maybe winning a national championship we'll get to that a little bit later um I believe our next one for the people is going to be SEC ACC breakdown uh we have, we have a good friend of ours and a special guest uh, coming on. You guys will find out who that is. Um, I believe we're recording that next week. Is that right? Yep, next Tuesday. So Wednesday it'll be out, guys. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, this, is, this is my conference. I mean, this is – the SEC is, is the bread and butter. It's, it's how I was raised. Georgia fan, now an Alabama fan. Um, our special guest is also an SEC guy. Um, I think it'll be one of the better podcasts that you and I have ever done. There's going to be a lot of laughs. There's going to be a lot of insight. Um, there's even a rivalry on it. So uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, Ben Ben gave us a great preview, guys. It's going to be one hell of a podcast. It'll probably be another solid hour and a half long podcast. There's going to be a whole lot of good old stuff on there. Even my chaotic college football final four prediction. Um, but anyway, guys, we appreciate everyone who tuned in and we'll talk to y'all again soon.